Welcome back, everyone, to Point of Sale, the retail supply chain show where we break down great retailers and, of course, the data and technology that moves their supply chains. And, of course, we have to thank our wonderful sponsor here. For over uh, for this year, over half of Fortune 500 companies are using the same asset light transportation company. And do you know who it is? It is RxO. Yes, that's right. The transportation partner that gives you massive capacity and cutting edge technology to seamlessly move any size freight load anywhere in North America. Now, with their digital platform, you can get access to more than, check this out, 1.5 million drivers. That's right. Customized routes, of course, real-time pricing, optimization, and much, much more. So you can see everything that they can do at their website. It's easy to get there. RxO.com. That's right. RxO.com. Shout out to one of, the, I think, the best commercials that we have here at Freightways as well. A creative team over there is killing it. So thank you, RxO, once again for sponsoring our show. And this show is going to be a fun one. We're going to get a nice little wrap up of what we've seen in the global shipping arena over the last year and what we can expect in 2023 as well. But I want to start off with, of course, some light Christmas fun. And the best part about Christmas, let's be honest, is giving and receiving gifts. Uh, personally, I love giving gifts. I am one of those people that, hey, don't tell me to get you a gift card because that's not going to happen. I'm going to find you a trinket. I'm going to find you something that personally makes me think of you every time I look at it. And hopefully you enjoy it and you think of me every time you look at it or use it too. And that's what the whole point of this wonderful time is about, being with family, giving them just different gifts to express how much we love them and appreciate them, friends and family combined. And of course, children are a part of that as well. So I thought, why not go through some of the hottest gifts of 2022? And of course, this is going to be really strange. One, we're going to notice a few trends, I think, from some of our childhood memories that are coming back into play. Uh, two, we might just be completely thrown off completely on what's happening and why these things are so cool. And we're going to start off with one in particular that is actually making its second round as one of the hottest gifts out there. And that is the Magic Mixies Crystal Ball. Now, looking at this gift, you might think, oh, I remember this from last year. Didn't it look like a, um, a, a cauldron? That's right. There was a Magic Mixies cauldron last year that was the hottest trend of 2021. And I got a chance to play with it too. It's really awesome. Just like this gift as well. Uh, you basically create a concoction uh, that will, in this situation, it's a little bit different. There's a crystal ball aspect to it. And uh, through the, the magic of science and chemicals and, I don't know, things that are appropriately, I think, should be in front of children... Uh, it gives birth to a magic mixie, and that's the, the cute, adorable toy that you see uh, there as well. And uh, I will say uh, they run about $60, depending on where you're getting them. I think they're about $60 on Amazon, or maybe a little bit more in stores, depending on where you are. Uh, this one, for sure, didn't get a slash of inventory or anything like that. Uh, but it, it is cute. Like it, it kind of follows a trend that uh, is happening nowadays with children, where it's like that. Uh, this kind of like magic or like um, unknown of gift giving, right? Whether it's um, like Pokemon cards, not knowing exactly what cards are going to be in the deck, 
Uh, it's this like surprise moment that kids love to see. Uh, even there's ways to even make it more educational. For instance, I just gave my niece a really nice uh, STEM gift from that geo that was uh, a way for us to basically adults need to be there because we had to use a hammer, but break open crystals and we got to you know, guess what type of crystals they're going to be in each rock. So uh, this one's fun too. And it sold out again this year. Uh, if your kid wanted it, you got your hands on it. If not, uh, it sounds like there may be another one next year. Maybe some other type of uh, crystal ball-esque type of, of uh, magic mixie. Uh, so everyone hopefully enjoy that one. The next one is uh, something that's made it through generations and generations. And it's coming back even more. And that's slime and putty. Uh, I'm a huge Instagram slime uh, viewer. It's uh, This right here is a perfect example of how it's uh, really changed over time. There's multiple colors. There's accessories that you can now buy, charms that you can now put in there. It's, uh, it's the ASMR gift of the children these days. So uh, you can't go wrong with slime. You can ruin your carpet. So just make sure you've got an appropriate setup for playing with these items. But um, I'm not surprised to see that slime and putty have made it through the years as well. This next one is really weird. It's going to remind you of something I think in the past we've seen too. So pop sockets, we all know the things that you put on the back of your phone. Well, big trend this year is their pop puck. It's basically like the new trinket, like gadget that's used to kind of help kids concentrate. I don't know if we can bring the video up, but basically it's a pop socket that's got these little pucks on there that you can like mess around with on your uh, like fingers. It's really hard to, uh, here we go. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It, it's strange. I'm gonna say that. It is kind of strange. So you get to like play around with it a little bit. Uh, it's got, it's kind of like a fidget spinner, right? Uh, you can play with it in certain ways. This is where it gets, I guess, interesting. This is the, the whole point of it. Cause you put these little pucks in there and then you can you know mess around with them, pop them out, pop them in, you know. Hey, as long as like, we're not moving the kids straight to uh, some type of drug for their ADHD in the classroom, I'm, I'm all down for this type of gift, that's for sure. Uh, but I will say it kind of reminds me of something way cooler that we all had growing up, which was definitely not this, but more of the uh, skateboards, like if we can bring that up for everyone, uh, nice uh, memory down or nice trip down on memory lane uh i don't know if you had them but those cool yeah let's just bring those back i think that could be a lot more fun and annoy teachers maybe a tad bit more but at least you learn tricks with it and you get some nice finger exercise yeah, yeah look at nailed it nailed it right there uh so yeah, that's coming back but in a more uh <laughs> futuristic way you could say uh number four on the list is uh, a popular tv show disney plus phenomenon Bluey's Ultimate Lights and Sounds Playhouse. Uh, honestly, if I was a kid, this looks cool. I've seen this show a couple times. Uh, I recently, if you are an Abbott Elementary fan, you've probably seen the episode recently where Bluey came up in that situation too. Uh, listen, if I'm going to think about my childhood, the only blue dog I wanted to learn from was Blue from Blue's Clues. But it looks like we've now got an Australian Bluey uh, dog that's going to teach our children all the same lessons. And because of that, his playhouse is going, or her playhouse, I'm sorry, is going uh, uh, off the stocks, uh, off the shelves. You can't find it anywhere. So uh, that's the number four phenomenon of this year. And last but not least, and it's made it through the times as well, is Bratz dolls. But guess what? Smaller. 
So <laughs> we all know that uh, these little dolls you've seen uh, in different forms. Now, these Bratz dolls used to be big dolls back in the day. Uh, well, now you can buy them in mini versions, which is kind of cool because you can also buy like mini objects and stuff. It's something my nieces are kind of into, which I don't really hate. It's kind of cool. You can buy like surprise uh, Bratz dolls where they come in these little uh, balls and they open up and you, you get whatever Bratz doll the universe has decided to give you that day. I will say, though, your girl is more of a Barbie fan and uh, even to the point where I recently splurged on this uh, <laughs> This one-of-a-kind doll right here just arrived after a year of purchasing. So uh, let's, I think her generation is a little bit more of the larger doll, but these small dolls start to see, seem to be a little bit more on the cool side these days. Honorable mentions, though, there were a number of 3D printers I found interesting. There's some big gifts for kids. Uh, that's cool. I can't, I, I just have got my brain wrapped around how 3D printers could I mean, really contribute to every part of our economy at this point, let alone gifts for our children. So that's really cool. Then also like some large Tamagotchi games and things like that. So, hey, it's the cool thing about trends, right? They just always make their way around. They're like, they're just like the transportation and trucking market. It's all cyclical. If, like, if it wasn't cool then, give it about 10 years, it'll be cool again uh, there. So uh, those are your top gifts of this year. And of course, before we get to our wonderful guests, we have to remind you again, if you remember this from earlier in the episode, 1.5 million drivers, that's right. That's how many people RxO connects you with, how many drivers they connect you with in an instant, enough to help you move any size freight load anywhere in North America. Maybe that's why they have more than half of the Fortune 500 moving freight with them this year. Or maybe it's because RxO is over a decade of brokerage expertise backing up their innovations as well. Either way, RxO is an asset light transportation that gives you massive capacity in cutting-edge technology like never before. And you can see what they can do for you again at rxo.com. Make it very easy. You can see it right here, rxo.com. And let's bring on our wonderful guest, Akshay Dodeja, CEO of Terminal 49. I think you were on the show a long time ago, but why not end the year with some, ah, oh, love this this is a surprise he didn't even tell me to show up like this let's go <laughs> I, I was i was inspired holiday. by your your holiday cheers so i'm like oh well, let me let me pull out the holiday you know the the, the santa hat <laughs> yes <laughs> perfect well thank you so much for coming on the show it's been so long and i'm happy to have you on here once again uh let's talk about ocean shipping if you could use one word to describe this year in ocean shipping trade in general what word would you use and why yeah i mean this might be a little cliche but it's 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 definitely a roller coaster but i would add to it that it's like getting stuck on a roller coaster at the top while you're inverted and then when you come down you're stuck again so um you know it's been it's been it just from the perspective of ocean freight but it applies to other modes as well um there was this huge surge in buying that happened like end of last year all of last year and that uh you know uh stuck through the beginning of this year and then there was over inventory now we're facing imbalance in the supply chain on the other side where uh you know the the trade has softened a little bit um but supply chains are still in disarray in some way 
Yeah, uh, I would definitely agree. And I think that's, uh, it's, it's great that we have visibility partners like yourself that are out there trying to at least bring some clarity, right, to what we're seeing out there. Uh, what do you think is the biggest surprise for you, especially, right, like going, <laughs> think January 1, right, you're it's fresh off the, the new year, coming into uh, 2022, we've had this uh, very pricing power, heavy in favor of carriers. Uh, Going into that market, what do you think surprised you the most of, of how this year turned out uh, in the world of ocean shipping? Yeah, I mean, to the last point, I think the market's cooling off really quickly. Um, and uh, I don't know if anybody could have predicted that happening that fast. And what I mean by cooling off is, you know, there was a lot of investment that was happening, everything from importers and suppliers shipping more goods um, and customers buying more, service providers investing more in their businesses. Uh, but all of that has softened. And from our perspective, you know, the, the, there's less people who have the urgency to buy software, for example. There's still a lot of interest, but you know, the market overall is cooling off and potentially going to cool off more before it gets better. Uh, I would I would definitely agree with you on that one. Uh, any predictions I guess you would make on that the cooling off aspect and maybe what you see in regards to to even rates and uh, overall demand? Uh, well, maybe even more so trading partners, right? Because just say like demand's low, but maybe a change in trading partners in this next year. What are you seeing from your customers as well? Um. Well, it, it, you know, it, it, they're the volume importers, let's say, anybody who's importing 50 plus containers a month, um, uh, they might see a little bit softening, right? So it might become 50 to 40 or maybe even 35, um, but they're still going to be in business, right? It's like the people are still yeah. buying. I think maybe there was an imbalance of over inventory. They bought a lot of the product earlier in this year. Um and now they're ordering fewer containers, uh, so to speak. So I, I think that's going to continue, I would say, at least for two more quarters, maybe three quarters. And then I think the supply chains might even off unless there's more black swan events that might happen. Who knows, right? <laughs> at this <laughs> point, I think everybody is uh, is open to the idea that the world can turn upside down again. Uh, yeah, 100%, right? It's kind of, we've been over the last like three years just, predictions have gotten less and less concrete. And I think it's for that exact reason, because the next thing you know, you're going to have some type of event. I mean, even you can even consider down to uh, the rail labor movement, right? Like, I don't think people, if you said January 1, hey, we're going to have some real uh, issues with uh, labor strikes at the end of this year. I don't think that they would have pointed that out. So you're right. Predictions uh, in this industry have gotten more and more, uh, con or less and less concrete. Yes, I know this is going to happen, and more of as, as long as nothing changes from today, this is what to expect. And I think a big part of it is visibility tools, being able to actually see what's happening, get the data of what we're seeing uh, carriers uh, move across the globe on a scale of zero to ten. Zero being non-visible, ten being clearly the most visible. Where do you honestly think that ocean visibility tools stand today? I would say somewhere around five or six. Um, I think one thing 
that was a great outcome of COVID was um, businesses of all sorts that are uh, part of the supply chains, they invested a lot on supply chain visibility tools. Um, whether it's improving their existing tools, plugging in data sources, data source providers like us, like visibility provider like us into their tools or buying, you know, a new dashboard like Terminal 49 and others uh, to improve their workflow. So um, I think we were probably at, you know, two, maybe three. I, and when I say those numbers, it's like for looking at the whole market. Yes, you know, your Amazons and Walmarts yeah. of the world, they had great tools, but the long tail of the market and mid-market, they were still using spreadsheets and pen and paper. So there's been a huge move to embracing and investing in these tools. Uh, but we're still, you know, if you, if, if you talk to ni- uh, nine out of 10 people, they're still very much, maybe it's seven or eight uh, uh, out of 10 people are still very much reliant on their existing process, manually tracking containers, manually tracking air freight, you know, nudging their trucker to figure out where the container is. Uh, so we have a long way to go. Um, just in the, spectrum of embracing tools like Terminal 49, uh, but also uh, relying on that data. You know, is the data high quality? Is the data reliable? Am I getting the data quick enough so I can make decisions? I think from that perspective, we have a long way to go as an industry and as a company as well to improve the quality of experience for our customers. Yeah, you kind of touched on the next question I was going to ask, which is kind of what's holding it back. And it it feels like it's a little bit of the mixture you just said, right? That the data uh, that we're able to get our hands on a little bit of uh, proving the adoption and, and and maybe the ROI of that adoption with shippers as well. Um, what do you find, especially with your team at Terminal 49, is is the biggest hurdle in the visibility reader? I know that you've been a big proponent of silo data that's out there. Do you feel like that's opened up more this year? Do you expect that to open up more next year? Um. I, I, I think if you look at it from the data sources like ocean carriers and even terminals, um, you know, rail, the data is still very much siloed. I, I, I would say if you look at two years ago or even three years ago, um, we are still at the same place, if not worse. There is intention of like having APIs and making data more accessible. Yeah. Uh, you know, the White House has a program making data more accessible. But when it comes yeah. to having that data accessible, that's not actually happening. So there's a lot of words, but there's not enough action. Um, and so far, from our perspective, it's like, okay, let's still keep doing what we're doing is get the data in whichever way possible, uh, get that to our customer. So that's, that's I think, we, we're still, there's an opportunity to, you know, for a ter- business like Terminal 49 or Project 44 or Vision to exist because customers want this data they don't want to integrate with, you know, dozens of different providers or a freight forwarder or a customs broker. Um, they want to take a bill of lading and uh, they want to identify all of their hundred containers, what's happening with them. But more importantly, tell me 10 of the containers that need my attention right now, which of them have holes or fees. So we are from a data accessibility uh, from the data sources. We're not anywhere close to uh, what should be. Uh, the status quo, which is make it more accessible. Um, but that's the job that we're doing, right? Make it more accessible for our customers. Oh, definitely. And uh, I'm sure that's saving them a lot as well in their end too. Uh, uh, one other area I want to touch on is uh, reshoring. So 
Uh, clearly, it's a hot term that we're all hearing these days. Uh, do you think that reshoring initiatives are overhyped? Do you think that maybe more of the rhetoric is around uh, like being able to uh, just uh, find other trade partners besides China that, that can make a company more resilient? What do you, when you hear the, the term reshoring, I guess, what does that mean to you in this upcoming year uh, in 2023? Um, we, yeah, I think reshoring, I, I look at it from the perspective of margins. So we've definitely seen for high margin, high complexity products like uh, chips, you know, companies like Apple and Intel are bu- building more fabs and bringing um, that, that production manufacturing into the U.S. Um, but at the same time, we've seen because of COVID, uh, companies that import and rely on suppliers internationally are diversifying. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, oh, welcome back. My bad, everyone. Technical difficulties. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, I lost you. Could you repeat that answer for me for the reach? Uh, oh, no. Okay, hold on one second. So, uh, we're bringing him back on here in a second, too. But, uh, of course, uh, very interesting points that he's making in regards to global shipping. I think that's uh, especially when we talk about reshoring, I think it's interesting. Oh, there we go. Actually, can you hear me now? <laughs> yes. Yeah, sorry, I lost you there for a second. <laughs> no, no problem. <laughs> I, I lost you. We both lost each other. Uh, can let's again thoughts on that reshoring question too. Yeah, I, I don't know what the last thing I said uh, that you caught, but you know, <laughs> I, I I believe reshoring is really about margins. Um, we see high margin products or high complex products like chips, right? Um, Apple is bringing a lot of fabs and manufacturing back to Arizona, for example. Um, Intel has been doing that yes. for a while. So I, I see a big trend towards that. I mean, there's political issues over there, which we, we might not need to go into right now. But, um, you know, high margin, uh, the cost of building products overseas is also going up, for example, in China. But let's say apparel, for example, we might not see that come into the U.S. It's just still easier to manufacture that in South Asian countries, as an example. Um, but I'll add, make it maybe, maybe make it a little bit more spicy that there is automation and robotics innovation is happening at the same time. So, do we need people to make apparel? Maybe not, right? So again, I think it comes yeah. down to margin on a product. Ultimately, we have in America a lot of people want to buy a lot of products. There's a lot of innovation around products. Does it make sense to make it in the U.S.? Um, and that's an equation of cost of manufacturing, cost of moving the product. Sometimes moving the product costs more than manufacturing the product. So I, I really think it ultimately depends on the industry, product type, um, political situations as well. Uh, and the last thing I would say is we've already seen some reshoring happening in distribution of suppliers. Should I only rely on my Chinese suppliers? Maybe I'll go to Vietnam. Maybe I go to Malaysia. Maybe we go to Europe, right? To diversify my supply chain. Um, if there are issues that happen for a specific route, or hey, there is lockdown in China that's happening that's going to choke the supply chain of my product. Um, and and so you know, ultimately it comes down to cost and accessibility. And we, I, I believe the the immediate answer for reshoring is high margin products will get reshored in the U.S. because it's becoming more expensive to make it overseas. Love that. A very unique answer. I think, uh, yeah, you're right. It's going to depend on exactly 
what you're moving. And that's where that visibility comes into play. You need to know exactly where you can buy from and what it's going to cost you. Uh, you know, to wrap this up, I have one question for you. Kind of go back to some Christmas spirit here. What's one gift that you always wanted growing up that you didn't get a chance to receive? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, you know, uh, I grew up in India. Uh, until I moved to the U.S. when I was 13. And um, video games, like console games, were uh, not a common thing in India. Like, you couldn't really even buy it. So you had to import it, like the Genesis and, you know, even the old Nintendo. Yeah. And some of, my, some of my friends had it, so I used to kind of go there, go to their house and play it. Um, and so I never had those early kind of childhood experiences in my house playing those kind of retro video games. So I would say, you know, I don't think I can recreate that anymore because that was back in the past, but that that's something yeah. that I wanted as a, as a child. <laughs> I had the exact same answer. I wanted an N64 so bad and I never got one. So we always, yeah, I would just go bug my friends who did have them. It's like, I, I don't even know if I really liked them or if I just really liked their games. Oh, that's awesome. Well, where can people reach out to you uh, and learn more about Terminal 49? Yeah, I'm fairly active on Twitter. So you can find me at my last name at D-O-D-E-J-A, uh, Terminal49.com. Um, you can you can actually sign up, put in your container numbers if, if tracking containers is a big, is a big problem. Um, or, you know, you can reach out to reach out to me at my first name at Terminal49.com as well. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely be talking with you soon. That's for sure. And for our audience out there, thank you so much for checking out this episode of Point of Sale. We'll be back next week with one more episode for the year. Until then, keep on shopping.